Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, who gives us all the greatest blessing that one can give or receive, and that is himself. Amen. I was talking this last week with a pastoral colleague of mine, Pastor Rick Center, who is the pastor for Bethany Lutheran Church in Howard, and he said something very profound to me. He said that either we will emerge from this pandemic as victors or survivors. And I have to say that I appreciate the difference in that mentality. I also think that this speaks a little bit to our own sense of what and where our trust is found in Christ Jesus. Today is the last Sunday in our church calendar year, and for the last three weeks, we have heard almost nothing but judgment from our scriptures. And now Jesus plops this great judgment text right into our lap today. Stating that as king, he will come to divide those whom he blesses as sheep and those that are accursed as the goats. Now the lesson on the sheep and the goats is unique to the Gospel of Matthew, and in this particular text lays as a bookend of Jesus' public ministry, which began at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5 with what we know as the Beatitudes. The Sermon on the Mount contains all of the explanation of those who are blessed by God. But now in the narrative of Jesus' life, after he gives today's lesson, he will turn to the cross. And the judgment that waits us all for him there. Jesus starts off by stating when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And this great vision and expectation is what the Jews were expecting from their Messiah. They expected the glorious entry, a mighty king and his army to defeat all the enemies of the Jews and restore Israel as the rightful place of God's chosen people, the people in whom God's favor would rest and the nation that all nations would revere. But as we know, this was not how Jesus entered Jerusalem. The fact is, in Jesus' public ministry, the crowds too had become fixated on the glory of miracles and healings and casting out of demons and had really missed the point of why Jesus had come. He had come to dwell amongst the lowly, the sinners, the least of these, to forgive sins and to make God's grace and mercy known in the world. Jesus' imagery of glory is going to mean something quite different in just a few days from when he spoke this story. And then Jesus really starts to dig in. He says he will cast judgment on all nations. All. Not some. Not those that just don't know him. All. He will divide all people. The sheep and the goats. And we're told the chosen people, the sheep, those whom God will call righteous will go to his right and the unrighteous, the goats, will go to his left, which is the hand of wrath. And when we hear this text, it may leave you just a little bit uneasy because your mind starts to stir on which one am I? Am I a sheep or a goat? It starts to speak into our conscience just a little bit. 
And so we have to ask, what is actually at risk in our understanding of this text? When we hear this, do we start to try to understand that what we're talking about here is the difference between being blessed and being cursed? And that wells up a little bit of fear in us. We generally hear this text as a motivational story, speaking to our own sense of how we can attain God's favor, better yet, how we can assure God's favor. And this, of course, is where the trouble begins. We hear this text as a call to action, a foundational articulation of a life of service, a call to social justice and a warning of the consequences of not attending to the relational dynamic of the Christian life. And we hear the king will divide the righteous from the unrighteous on the basis of our own ministry to the least of these. And so our minds start to try to determine what we must do. Who are the least of these? Which puts us on a goat-like quest. The fact of the matter is there are many people who will stand in a pulpit today and this is exactly what will be spoken. There are many motivational speakers out there but very few preachers. And why is that? Well, truthfully, it's easier. Because it would be very easy for me to stand in this pulpit today and say, go and do this. You will find God's favor from that. Especially appealing to your Lutheran guilt. The next time we're serving at the banquet, you better be on that list. Because if I can motivate you to a life of service, well then, we can change the world. Be careful who, where the pronouns are. Cast your trust in God aside. Because when you feel that you have skin in the game, then you can put points on your proverbial scorecard. And so when you stand before the man, you can say, look at what I have done. But again, this is not our Lord Christ. There's a story that I have told before and I was told by our Wednesday Bible study that I needed to tell it again today. While I was studying in Israel a few summers ago, I had a conversation through an interpreter with a Bedouin shepherd who shepherded a flock of sheep and goats. And I had this text in mind when I asked him, what is the difference between shepherding sheep and goats? To which he answered, the sheep trust me. The goats have a mind of their own. And I felt that hit the human dimension of this text very well. And so we go out and we start to consider our relationships and our interaction with others based on what they can do for us or what we can do for them so that we can again put this mark on our scorecard and we try to distinguish who is actually the least of these so that we may go and find them and help them. We often judge the least of these in terms like them, those people. We never actually consider them as part of us. Because we like to raise up people with power or position. We set them apart from common people. We glorify them. 
We begin to believe that by being in an exclusive association with such people that we ourselves are better for it. When in reality, it is the day in and day out work of all people in their vocations that shows love of neighbor. But of course, this is the normal pattern of our culture. We don't give honor to the least or the common. We give it to the elite, those with authority, those with leadership. So what Jesus is teaching lifts up what we might call crazy countercultural behavior. And ultimately what Jesus is saying undermines the whole, it seems, of our current church attitude towards the world. As it too wants to divide into us and them and haves and have-nots, the righteous and the unrighteous, the Christian and the heathen. What the world looks to do is to raise up power and glory. But I'm here to tell you that this is not where Christ's glory is found. His power and his glory comes in a much different way. Jesus is given to the world as the ultimate gift of God's divine goodness, yet he he will be judged as less than by those that should have known him. He will be the most scorned form of humanity and will embody the dimensions of this as he is nailed to the cross. Jesus is the incarnational contrast of divine goodness, yet worldly weakness and vulnerability. And then in this text, Jesus reveals a surprising secret. He himself is found amongst the least of these. Both the sheep and the goats express surprise by this statement. Both groups ask, Lord, when did we see you? But the question carries a different understanding from each viewpoint. For the sheep, those that had trusted God live out of an awareness, not out of an awareness of Jesus' presence, or in some expectation of reward or glory, or even to uh, consider the cost. But it's actually a life lived out of an attitude of blessedness and thankfulness. Or from the goats whose response is that of, if they had only known Jesus was among them, well then they certainly would have acted to meet his needs. Because the goats are not godless or unethical. They're just motivated by self-interest, by what the king can do for them. They fall into the traps of this world. Jesus' presence among the poor and the hungry and the unclothed and those in prison does not mean to romanticize the poor and suffering, but it does confirm that Christ comes in a stranger's disguise. Friends of hearers of God's word, Where has this text found you today? Outside of repentance, the Christian life is fundamentally about making space for others, especially those vulnerable, just as God has made space for you. So how and for whom do you make space today? How do we as the church testify to the sacrificial and restorative work of Jesus Christ in the world? Our faith and trust in God's work in the world is specifically related to our own relationships with real people, especially those that are the least of these, those that do not know Jesus Christ, 
those that do not know God's great love for his creation and all people in it. We tend to look around us and look at people as abstractions. But Jesus calls us into the dangers and risks and opportunities and possibilities of real and intentional relationships. There are no existential rewards to be gained, but only to know God's choosing, choosing of you and choosing of all people to receive his blessing. Not because you have earned it, but because he freely gives it. Jesus comes in ways that you would not expect him so that you would live out your faith in the many ways so that you would live out of an attitude of blessedness and that you would share this blessing with the many people that fall on the path of your life. The function of God's word today is to subvert your own attempts to categorize the world into good and bad and deserving and non-deserving, the weak and the powerful, the righteous and the unrighteous. Don't sit and try and figure out who's a sheep and a goat. Moreover, this lesson is not given as an if-then, a motivator that is this particular text is a depiction of your own relationship with Christ as the king of your life. It is so that you might hear of God's choosing you as blessed. This is the way our Lord Christ always works that is in declaratives of saying it is and you are. The reality it is Christ is the Lord of both the sheep and the goats. And if we pay attention to the words that we heard from the prophet Ezekiel, if you pay attention to who's doing the doing, it is God that says, I will do this. It is I that choose you. Today at our 11 o'clock service, we will invite four of our youth to the communion rail to affirm their baptismal promises or what we commonly know as confirmation. An event that is actually to recognize not what they have done, but what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. That it is through baptism that we are chosen and we are affirmed as, child, as children of God. Earlier I asked you what was at risk for you hearing this text today. To be a sheep is to know God's blessing and that is to hear his word in your ear or faith to cling to it. And to be a goat is to not hear his word to be separated, wondering where you are. So because God's will is perfect and the gospel is always a surprise, hear this again. You have been united with Christ and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. You are a child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Nothing can separate you from that. Go now and live in that knowledge and may God grant you his peace. Salvation is yours to know today. Blessedness is yours to know today. And because Christ himself declares it from his throne, that is his cross, you are forgiven, which shows his glory in God's grace and mercy. See now, God has made sheep where there were once goats. In Christ, we are all victors not survivors. Thanks be to God.
Amen.